Take your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we've been doing this series on worship. I, I, I want to make sure that during this Christmas season that we have our mind, our affection, our attention on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came to conquer sin. He came to be our Savior. And sometimes Satan wins at Christmas because we're so distracted that the last thing that we're doing is worshiping Jesus. Now, we won't say that because in the reality of what we talk about, we'll sit there and say, hey, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's more than a slogan. It should be our life. It should be that our life is focused on Jesus. Now, we went through this thing. We were talking about worship is more than an action. It's a mindset. It's in my mind that I, I, I admire God as being worthy. He's, it, it worship is what that word means. It means that I, it, it goes into an action. We talked about how that word worship means to bow down in reverence means to adore. It means to kiss. It means to love. It means to sacrifice. We we do this at Christmas. Every time we give a gift, I go out and I sacrifice and I give or buy that gift so that I can give to other people because I love them. God wants a relationship with us. And we all say, amen, I know that. A relationship is something that goes both ways. It's not just a matter of God dying for us and giving us salvation. It's a matter of us turning back to God and us giving him our attention, our love, our focus. That's why the disciples followed Jesus Christ and eventually they fell down and they worshiped. And when they realized that he is the son of God on that boat, they turned around and said, surely he is the son of God. The wise men traveled two years to be with baby or the two-year-old Jesus. The shepherds went out and bowed down before him because they came to worship. What is this Christmas all about to you? Now you're sitting there saying, all right, I get that, but you just made us turn to the wrong passage. John chapter 4 is not about worship. Oh, it's about worshipers, actually. We have this mindset that sometimes the church-going, you know, suit-wearing, Bible-toting people are the ones that God's came to, to, to want their worship more than anything. And all of a sudden you read a passage like this and you're going, what? That doesn't make sense. John 4, 4, he says, I must needs go through Samaria. He said, Jesus said, I'm up to something. He didn't randomly run into this woman. He intentionally sought her out. He said, that's right, because she needed that living water. We know this story, but I want to look at it from the perspective of worship. Verse 7, there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman unto the... um, uh, of Samaria unto him, how is it thou being a Jew askest me, which is a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You say, all right, this still doesn't make sense. This isn't my worship. I, I, I've got to deal with the heart first, okay? She comes there in the heat of the day. She had a reputation. She's been married five times. The man she's living with right now is not her husband. She, she probably was in the heat of the day because she didn't want to be around the other women. She probably got pointed at and mocked and made fun of because of her past and her sin. Sin brings shame. Sin embarrasses us. Jesus said unto her, you are not right. Verse 16, he said unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. And answered and said unto her, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast said, well, I have no husband, for thou hast five husbands, and the, and the one that you are with now is not thy husband. And that said, thou truly. Think about this. In the Old Testament days, Women did not divorce men. Men divorced women, which literally means five times she said, got the message, get out, get out. 
I'm done with you. I don't want you five times. Get out. Then Jesus comes and addresses this issue in her life. She says in verse 19, the woman said, uh, saith unto her, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now watch this. The worship's about to happen. Her mindset goes from this being just some dude from Jerusalem to, wait a minute, there's something about you. And all of a sudden, she began to view God, first of all, as a prophet. Now later, she says, come see the Christ. But right now, her, her mindset is beginning to change. Worship doesn't happen just because you show up in a building. It's not because you sang those lyrics. It's not because you're here today to hear the Ball Brothers. Worship is way more than that. She gets this living water. She gets it emotionally, mentally. Her eyes are open. She leaves her water pot. She runs to the city. She says, come see a man that told me everything that I've ever done. Revival breaks out. Literally, they come in and say, man, I've got to see what she's talking about. They come in. The, the Bible says that they believed on him. Jesus stays two, three more days. Many more believed on him. Revival is breaking out. You say, this story is about living water, True. The story is about how God loves everybody, true. The story is about how God seeks out sinners, true. The story is actually about worship. We don't even even see this. See verse 19, and the woman said unto her, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She brings up a religious debate. You know what the religious debate was about? Worship. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto him, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor in yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. So worship is going to change. But notice the wording that he says in this. He's talking about a place of worship. She's talking about a place of worship. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. For the hour cometh and is now when true worshipers, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship. The Father is seeking such to worship. Now, here's the crazy thing. Here, I, I, this, have you guys ever been in, how many of you been in church for, for years and years? Raise your hand right now. That, all right, that's most of you. Have you ever read a story over and over again and you kind of missed something of that? He is talking about truly worshiping God. And if I was to say, how many of us are true worshipers? He just said that. I am looking for true worshipers. She's probably standing there looking over her shoulder going, okay, why are you here with me? <laughs> Do you not, you just said, I've been married five times. I'm shacked up with a guy now. Why are you talking to me about worship? Do you realize that Jesus Christ walked past the Pharisees, walked past the temples, walked past the scribes, walked past the religious people, walked into the middle of nowhere to one woman standing there and brings up the subject in the Bible about the doctrine of worship to a sinner, to a messed up Girl that had a past, a history, a reputation, you said there. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, we're talking about true worshipers. Because a lot of times we have the idea that we have a past and we're sitting there saying, I'm unworthy to come before God. I can't raise my hands. I can't sing out. I can't worship. I know who I was before. It's not about who you were. It's who you meet. It's no longer about your past. You see, God's going to prove something. I'm looking for changed people. It's not so much about who you were, because sometimes when we're standing in a room like this and we're singing songs about the cross and about Jesus and the manger, we're sitting there in our mindset that I'm not good enough. 
You're right, none of us are good enough. By the grace of God, God changes us and saves us. She walked out of there differently. She was not the same. You say, what was he doing? He was looking for true worshipers. See, true worshipers are people that have been changed by God. Did you guys hear that? True worshipers are people that have been changed by God. And I thought, well, we all know that. A lot of people here have been changed by God. But I thought about this. Salvation, we all know, is a change of direction. Would you guys agree with that? Salvation, is a, that's what the Bible says, repent. I was on my way to hell. I repented. It just means, doesn't mean I'm sorry, God. It's a change of direction. We'd all sit there and say amen to that. But let me tell you, worship takes things a step further. See, uh, salvation is a change of direction. But worship is a change of affection. See, the Bible says to set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. Jesus is kicking down all the things that they had preconceived that worship was. He was breaking down barriers and breaking down traditions and breaking down all the things that they built up to be worshiped. He said, I'm going to change things today. It's not about just a salvation experience. It's about setting your affections on God, setting your mindset on God. He even explains this. Now, notice what he does in this. God, in this passage, he says, verse 24, this is so powerful. This will change completely how we worship God. He says, God is a spirit. Do you notice it's capital S, literally meaning the Holy Spirit of God. God is a spirit. Now you sit there and say, well, that's a great statement. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. That is true, but don't take it out of context of what we're talking about. Why did God make that statement? Because she's sitting there saying, can you answer a big debate for me? Who is the real worshipers? Because some people worship over there on that mountain. We worship on this mountain. Why don't you settle the debate? Who is right? And God settles the debate right here. He says, listen, I am a spirit. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Can I explain that for just a minute? I, I told you, I'm, this, this is it. I told you I was going to preach short, but I want this mindset on us. See, true worshipers are changed people, but you say, how do you worship? Sit there and say, Pastor Tony, I, I, I'm saved, but how, how do I express my worship in this way? That In the context that she's talking about, God is a spirit. Listen, God is not a place. And you sit there and say, well, I know that. No, no. Do we know that? God is not an object. See, he is not a temple. He's not a building. He's not a rock. He's not a statue. He's not a tree. See, all these false religions and stuff like that, they'll make it about tangible things. If I'm going to worship, I'm going to go there to worship. But let me caution you on something. We also can do the same thing. Do you know how often that we feel like the time that we worship is when we walk into this building? Sitting there and say, let's all stand and worship. God was breaking the down. He said, I'm not a place. I'm not an object. I've, I've heard comments in the past. I mean, this sounds silly to you. But all of a sudden, we, we wrap our worship around tangible things. It's a human thing to do, a tradition or things that we do. I've had people make comments about, ever since we got the chairs instead of the pews, I just don't feel like church is church anymore. Is it really about the padding that you sit your your your, your your tail on? I mean, it's just like, have we gotten that shallow that we're sitting there and saying, you realize she was understanding this debate. I believe it's here. I believe there. And God said, no, I am a spirit. It's not about the place. It's not about the thing. It's not about the object. 
It's not about the podium or things. You realize that God was saying, if I'm a spirit, then now you need to worship me as in your spirit. Did you hear what he said? He said, I'm everywhere. I was there when you got up today. I was in that workplace when you were mad. I, I, I was at Walmart when you cut that lady off in the parking lot. God is a spirit. God is everywhere. God is not a location. If you showed up to get here to worship, you should have been worshiping a long time ago because God is everywhere. She was being taught how to worship because he rolls in and says, you must worship me in spirit. You know what the spirit is? It's the attitude of man. Literally mean, God says, I want you to worship in your spirit, which literally mean if God's everywhere, God wants the attitude of worship everywhere you go too. Worship needs to start in the morning. It needs to be in the car. It needs to be in the attitude that you treat your kids. Remember, worship is respecting God. Worship is admiration. Worship is pointing to God. We're doing that every day in every way of what we do. She did that. Now, notice this, what she did. She turned around and she ran into the city. You guys know the story. A lot of you know the story. She ran in the city, didn't she? After she, she left her water parts and ran into the city. You know what she's doing? She's bringing worship to the city. She runs into the city and begins to change things of the atmosphere of there because she walks in there and she's bringing worship with her. It's not about a location. She is the visual. She is the illustration of this story. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It goes with us. We worship God in spirit, but also we worship God in truth. Now, I'll be honest. I could not put this into words. I thought, how do you worship God in truth? Have you ever had something like, I know the Bible is saying this right now, and the Spirit of God, He's a Spirit, He's everywhere. We have the Spirit of God, the inner man, our attitude, our mindset, our affections. We worship God in that everywhere we go. But how do you worship God in truth? And then I reread the story, and I said, God, show me. What am I missing here? She ran into the city, and she said, come see a man that told me everything that I've ever done. You know why that's weird? Because that's a weird story of why in the world would you want to brag on saying, hey, tell me, come meet a man that told me how bad I was or my past. But no, that's not what she was saying. Everybody already knew her past. Everybody knew her reputation. She was saying, hey, come meet a man that changed me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. You know what she was doing? She said, is he not the Christ? She's proclaiming truth. You see, in our mindset, in our minds, we're not only taking worship everywhere we go because we are worshipers. If you've been changed, it's not just a matter of change of direction. It's changing your affection. Set your affection on things above. But how do you do that every way and every day of your life? School needs to be a day of worship because you're pointing to the Savior. But what are you doing in the midst of that is you're, you're proclaiming him in truth. I'm going to ask you this. How many of you have been saved by Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. You know that. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. But let me tell you, that is the message that God has given us to proclaim to the world that we, were, we're, we are a child of God. Because the devil will get into our mindset and tell you, you are not good enough. Did you guys hear me that? The devil will tell you, you are not good enough. And she's proclaiming that, and it doesn't matter who I was in the past. It doesn't matter how much I've been messed up. He used a girl with a reputation. Some of you have been divorced, and you're sitting there saying, man, I'm marked by that. 
I've been in jail. I, I've been on drugs. I, I, I've, I, I have a bad reputation at the church that I came from. And we're, we're paying attention to our past. At that moment when she stood up, her past was under, the, uh, under Jesus Christ. It was gone. And I know this was before the cross. But everything of our past is gone. We must worship him in that truth. 